Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the 147 podcast with me, sports MC Phil Seymour, and him, the former Triple Crown winner and snooker world champion, the magician, Sean Murphy. The difficult ninth episode. As they <laughs> Is that even a thing, Sean? Yeah, it's not been easy, has it, uh, putting our lives together for the last few days. Uh, guys, I suppose we would just make the point that... Um, you know, consistency, you know, we're both big podcast listeners. I love podcasts and it is that consistency, but the world has conspired against us in the last few days. Um, we would always try and be consistent with our release dates. Uh, if it wasn't a serious couple of days, nothing would have kept us from, from meeting our Monday deadline. No, let's be honest. We've tried. Okay. <laughs> we've really tried. I flew back from, from Northern Ireland to England on, uh, on Monday morning. Um, Sean, unfortunately, was tied up with with commitments on Monday, so couldn't yeah, do the I podcast. Yeah, I, I was in um, I was in London all day Monday, filming all the new bits you're going to see on the BBC this season. All the new, um, you know, where we where we absolutely destroy all the top players and rip their techniques apart, and all the things. Stephen Hendry and I got together at a studio in London all day Monday and filmed all those pieces. So they'll all be on your screens throughout the season. Um, so that kept me from our. Monday uh, show. We could have recorded it from Heathrow, I guess, but that wouldn't have been wouldn't have been ideal. No. So we 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 instead decided to record it Tuesday. We thought one day late that'll be okay. Then yesterday, I'll put my hands up. I had a complete and utter nightmare of a day. Ended up getting to my hotel, strangely enough, at Heathrow at around about ten p.m. last night. So it wasn't going to happen this evening, though. <laughs> Oh. I'm down on the south coast. I'm in Portsmouth at the moment. Sean is over in Dublin, and well, Sean Sean's been putting his kids to bed and not been having a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> I think that's all we no. can say on that one, really, Sean. Yeah, Molly's been to bed and out of bed two or three times. There's been sick. There's been tears, <laughs> and now there's red wine. So all's well that ends well, as there should be. Okay, this is real <laughs> life, people. We would love to. We, you know, a few people have said this this podcast should be weekly and everything else. We'd love to do that. We'd we'd absolutely love to do that. We would love to do, you know, have it far more regular and everything else. We do our best, but we are both normal working people with families. So there you go. That's where the podcast is late. We we apologize for that. However, we we actually managed to get face to face last week, Sean, for a change. I haven't seen you at a tournament, Phil, for so long, which kind of, you know, that's that's how bad my seasons have been the last couple of seasons. It was so nice to run into you. Um, and we got out for a bite to eat, didn't we? Which was lovely. It was really, really nice. We had a great laugh, great times. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, do you know there was there was just a, there was a small moment where I thought, you know, we've been chatting about this on the pod and stuff, and and um, geez, I might I might string a few wins here together. It could be moonwalking <laughs> into the waterfront at this rate, but it wasn't to be. But it was great bumping into you, and uh, yeah, it was great, com- great company. It was. Always. Do you know what we should we should name check it? Actually, we we went out a few of Sean's friends, uh, one of my friends from Belfast, um, Doctor Heather, who's a, a very lovely old friend of mine. Sorry, dear friend of mine, shouldn't call her old, that's terrible. We went to a place called the Red Panda opposite the Europa Hotel in Belfast. Really nice Chinese, it was lovely, we had a nice meal, we had one or two drinks, and we actually talked about the possibility of doing a live version of the podcast. Yeah. Mm. Which How do you happen. think that would work? I think that would be great. Do you know what, I think it would be good, let, let us know what you think. It, would you do? Would you come along if we were to do one? I don't know. Maybe in Sheffield before the World Championships. Would you come along if we did the live podcast with a live audience? You can ask questions live. Nothing. No, no, there's no filters on it, so you can ask whatever you like. Um, we'll do we our best. Like a, we get like one of the pubs in Sheffield near the Crucible the Friday night before the before the World Championship starts on the Saturday, and we get a we get a we get a pub, uh, and it's a complete free for all. Uh, and it's all that you know. It's 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 a few drinks, and it's absolutely live. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? That'd be great. I think it'd be a really good laugh. Let us know what you think at one four seven pod all over social media. Would you come along? Would you take part? Would you enjoy that one? Let us know what you think. Anyway, we were of course. I, mean, I feel like just before we move on, I feel like if uh, if Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf over at Talking Snooker can get a few people in to watch them play a best of seven in the Northern Snooker Centre a few weeks ago. Uh, which I, to be honest, I don't think Nick's over yet. I don't think he's. I don't think he's fully let that go. Listen, Nick, um, Nick hasn't left his defeat last year go yet. No, that, last no. year's defeat hasn't gone. This year's still on. But on the subject of Nick, Nick Metcalf, though, since you brought him up, um, fantastic news. The Snooker Scene magazine, which Clive Everton has has edited for so many years um, and done an incredible job, really, for snooker as a whole, not just that magazine. That it was announced that, that Clive was stepping down and Snooks in Magazine would be no more. It's been announced in the last week that Nick Metcalf is in fact stepping in to the breach and uh, and taking over as editor of Snooks in Magazine, which which I think is is a brilliant thing. I think that's great. It's good for the sport. It's good for the fans. A lot of people love Snooks in Magazine. And uh, yeah, well done to Nick and, and good luck as well because that is a, that's a big old task, is that? Well, it's amazing, isn't it, to think that when Hugh Hefner died of Playboy fame, um, he was replaced by Clive Everton as the longest-serving editor of a <laughs> single publication ever. Yeah, yeah, let's just be clear. When Hugh Hefner died, he was not replaced by Clive Everton. Okay, Clive Everton has never, ever edited Playboy. Yes, I see what I've said there. <laughs> I didn't mean it quite like that, how it's... No. Let me try again. When Hugh Hefner passed away, he was replaced... In the Guinness Book of Records, by Clive Everton as the longest-serving editor of, of a magazine. I, th- I don't I think, think Clive has ever been an editor of Playboy. The second you mentioned Hugh Hefner and Clive Everton in the same sentence, I reckon we lost it completely there. So, yes, you're right. He's the longest-serving editor of any magazine. Clive had to retire, sadly. Um, we love Clive. Clive's great. He's a legend. But Nick Metcalf is stepping in. Snooker Scene magazine will continue under his stewardship He'll do a great job of it. The Peston of the Bays, as he's known in the trade, he will do a great job of that, and, and we wish him all the very best of luck. That's Nick Metcalf. Yeah. If you don't listen to it already, Talking Snooker podcast, great podcast, so give him a listen. Anyway, we were in Belfast last week, of course, for the Northern Ireland Open, and what a tournament it turned out to be, Sean. Unbelievable. It was fantastic. Do you know what? It, it's becoming... Um, one of the perennials, you know, it's becoming one of the events that everyone, I think, the, the players, officials, uh, all, all the fans, of course, the broadcasters, I think it's one that everyone now really looks forward to. And I've heard this spoken about quite a lot, um, you know, not just in and around this event, but about events that have a home and have a regular venue that they go back to every year. And, of course, the Welsh Open is one that's always brought up as a comparison and that that's moved around a little bit. But I think the I think it now makes an event events like let's say the English Open, that's now starts to look a little bit, you know that that's roamed around the country a little bit and hasn't found its you know identity yet. Whereas something like the Northern Irish in that home nations quartet 
you know, just 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 head and shoulders above the others, I think, in terms of its grandeur and the excitement it brings. And I mean, I'm not least because the venue is state of the art. It's been designed for you know atmospheric, that theatre kind of feel, that vibe. Um, and it is somewhere, certainly from a player's point of view, you know, it is somewhere that we all look forward to going and performing. It's got that real you know, real great atmosphere there. And Belfast as a city, as I, you know, as I'm sure you'd back me up, you know, is is a great place to be, probably only second to York, is it? it I should imagine it is, yeah. Now, I will back that up completely. It's of the venues I get to work on the World Snooker Tour, that is my favourite because it's fantastic. The atmosphere in there is always great. The people are so friendly. The acoustics in the Waterfront Hall in Belfast are fantastic. It's a theatre. It's not It's not a leisure centre. You know, it, it's a fantastic venue. One thing I will... Just address though, you just referred to it as the Northern Irish. It's not. Now we have the home nations of four, the four Bet Victor home nations events are the English Open, the Scottish Open, the Welsh Open, and the Northern Ireland Open. What's that all about? Why isn't it the Northern Irish Open? Do you know? I know the answer to that. Oh, go on. It'll be because the the phrase Northern Irish Open is taken by another sport. Oh, okay. Like the Welsh Open. The Welsh Open is we, we I think I think we got in there first. If you look at the golf, the what the, the 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 golf that's played at Celtic Manor every year in Wales has to be called um it's something like uh you know the Open of Wales or the Wales Open from Celtic Manor or something like that. That can't be called the Welsh Open because wow. we own it. We own the words the Welsh Open. Okay, how weird. But there you go, yeah, so so Welsh, English, Scottish, Northern Ireland. But yes, what Sean's just said is absolutely right, and it was it was born out again last week. What a venue, what a city, what what amazing snooker fans over there. Just, just to say, I've, I've got to say, quick word for the snooker fans over there, it's my first event since, I think, February. And I had... Petra, who's a friend of the podcast, she she brought me along a, a bag of home-baked muffins, which are gorgeous, and she is a, a Jet 2 air hostess. She brought along a plane for your Harry as well, Sean, which is very kind of her. I've got that for you the next time I see you. I had, you really ought to pass on a toy for a child. I will, I will pass it on when I see you. You should pass that on, really. It's, it's a bit weird. It's in my bag. I will pass it on the next time I see you, I promise. I also had another lady, Patricia, who... This was so lovely. Sent me a message to say that she's she's brought me some presents for my little girl. Dropped them off. There was a dolly, a t-shirt, some some socks, some shamrock Irish socks. The the snooker fans in Northern Ireland, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. And of course, Mark Allen once again in the final, as he was last year. The atmosphere they created, completely sold out on the Sunday, completely sold out for the final. The atmosphere they created was absolutely phenomenal so loud in there on sunday night it was brilliant absolutely brilliant and of course mark obliged didn't he yeah it was phenomenal really i don't i don't really know what's happened to mark in the last few seasons there because until until last season he couldn't make a 50 break in in the arena there he was useless and he, he, like he just used to put so much pressure on himself to perform you know for his home crowd um and obviously, like there's so many more English pros than there are, you know, other pros representing the other three home nations. It's not something that the English pros feel really at the English Open. We don't really feel that pressure to perform. I think, like a lot of the Scots do, or the Welsh do, or the, the lads from Northern Ireland do, particularly Mark. And um, just something's clicked in the last few seasons. He and he looks a different player in Belfast. It's a good thing not all the tournaments are played there because <laughs> he'd have his name on a lot of tournaments. But I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing this. You know, he did he did change one thing uh, two years ago or last year, I should say. He started staying yeah. in the hotel most of us staying for the tournament. And he only lives twenty minutes away. Yeah, well, he he has said this. He 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 did that. He he changed that. He started staying in the hotel. Also, what he's done, he's not been involved with tickets or anything like that. He's left that to someone else. So tickets for friends and family and everything else. He's basically just just taken all of that away from himself and treated it as though it was a a tournament in China. So he's in a hotel. He doesn't mess around with tickets. He has nothing to do with any of that. And he can just focus on it. And since since he started doing that there, he's won both events. And he's done it really well. You know, he's... 
he's just gone through. I've got to say, this year compared to last year, I, I mentioned it in my post-match interview with him. His his life has changed dramatically. Okay, and I'm I'm not talking weight loss here. I'm I'm talking his whole life. You know, last year when he won, he came in. I interviewed him afterwards, and his first line was, "I don't even know if I'm going to get this money. I don't even know if I'm going to get the money that I've won here." This year, he is so much happier. He's so much more settled, and. It's great to see, to be honest. As someone, you know, you're very good friends with Mark. I, I can't mark as a friend. And it's just brilliant to see, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the things, one of his attributes is his honesty. You know, he's brutally honest. And, and, and that's got him in trouble a bit over the years. Obviously, the famous press conference in York uh, when he walked in uh, with the tape. Now, we've all got ourselves in trouble in the what they call the Broughton Bear Pit of the <laughs> York press office. We've all been in trouble in that room. Um, but yeah, one of the big one of the big attributes of Mark Allen has always been his honesty. He's never shied away from telling the truth, uh, and um, you know that's 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 a big thing. You know, he's he's um, he's always been. You know, when when he's done things wrong, he's always held his hands up. Um, he's talked very very openly about um, you know mistakes he's made, and you know got himself into trouble over the last few years financially and stuff. And um, as I say, I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to sort of say things I shouldn't. But you know, I, I, he's he's spoken about these things himself. He is a good friend of mine, and it's um, it, it is very good to see. You know, I I, I do uh, listen. I, you know, I go into these tournaments wanting to do as well as I can myself. Of course, I do. But you know, I do look for. We all have friends in our industry. Doesn't matter what you do for a living. You're always going to have friends and stuff. And you know, Mark would be one of my you know closest friends on the tour, uh, and somebody whose results I look for. So you know, I was thrilled to see him. I texted as he was potting the winning balls on Sunday night. I was texting him, and um, yeah, it was fabulous. I'd, you know, I woke up to some replies to you know that didn't make a lot of sense. It has to be said. I think he was <laughs> a few beers in by the time he replied, um, but phenomenal, really. And yeah, let's. I, I'm just thankful that he hasn't yet learned how to bottle that magic formula of the Northern Ireland Open yet and take it to the other tournaments. If he does do that, then we're all in a bit of trouble. And of course, when he did win it, that caption <laughs> that appeared on Eurosport. Oh, yeah. Oh man, it came up. Billy Bobbins, Northern Ireland Open winner. Billy Bobbins. Now, just to explain what happened there, if anyone's not aware, what what TV production companies do, they will put a a holder. They'll they'll put like a holding name in there that's daft. It could have been a lot worse than Billy Bobbins, okay? But they'll put something in there that's daft that's obvious. So when someone looks at it before it goes on screen, they look at it and go, "Oh yeah, that needs changing." So they'll change it, and of course, clearly no one had looked at it. It came up. Mark's talking on screen on Eurosport, and it says on the bottom, Billy Bobbins, which is brilliant. And, you know, you you sent me a message <laughs> with a <laughs> screenshot of it, because we'd not seen it, because we, we don't see the feed that goes out. We see the internal feed. So, and, of course, we were in the arena anyway. And you sent me a message. Mark came up into the media centre. I showed him it. I said, there you go, then, Billy Bobbins. Well done. And he went, oh, God, I'm going to have to change my name on Facebook, aren't I? <laughs> that was his first reaction but he laughed well, I've at already, it I've already changed his name in my phone <laughs> but that was his first reaction which I think is great and I, again I think that shows where he's at really which is brilliant now just just to tell you before the final before the evening session the final between the afternoon and the evening um, Aideen Mark's fiance I'd, I'd seen her and I said look it, his two girls are there it's Aideen's daughter and his daughter and I said, look, let's. I'll take him into the arena. We'll let him sit in in Daddy's chair in the arena and get a picture with his screen with Mark Allen on. At the time, it was for all, of course. He took them in, and these these two girls are literally they are skipping all around the place. Took them in, got them sat in the chair, which was lovely. Aideen got a picture, I think, a video as well. And they, they were asking me all about this. Is water there? And the two? Why has he got two towels? And I explained. And what's what's this cup for? I said, well, you know, Daddy wants some water. That's the cup that he uses. Can we give his his cup a kiss? Good luck. I said, yeah, of course you can. And the two girls are there kissing this cup, and I was like, oh bless you. They put the cup back down. I thought anyway, it went off. And when Mark, I told him that, and he went, really? They kissed my cup. <laughs> I said, yeah, they did. And he went, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> and it was it was just lovely. Anyway, yeah. So Mark Allen retained his Northern Ireland Open title, which was great to see. Second year on the trot, uh, he'd always dreamed of winning it. He won it last year. He's retained it this year. A word for Joe Yulong. Okay, Joe Yulong. Absolutely. Lost in the final. It's his third ranking event final. He lost the shootout final. It's a shootout, okay. Um, 
he lost the European Masters, I think it was to Neil Robertson nine nil, which was which was mm. crushing. Played really well in the afternoon session of this final, and but but ended up at, at four four, having been in the lead. Do you know what Joe came out and in the evening session I announced him out. He came out. The crowd gave him a really good reception actually as he came out. But then of course I welcomed Mark out, and the crowd went completely and utterly nuts. While they're cheering Mark, what you probably did, I don't know if you did see it on TV or not, because I was in the arena, but Joe turned round to the crowd and was like waving his arms at them, bigging them up to get them to make more noise for Mark, which I thought, wow, you've just, you were ahead in the afternoon session, you've ended up going at 4 all, which must feel like a, a loss in the afternoon. And yet he's coming out and he's, he's bigging the crowd up. And it was it was great to see Joe Yulong. And, do you know, he's moved. He was in Sheffield at Victoria's Academy, I think. He's moved up to Darlington, to Mike Dunn's place. Um, his English has, has come on tremendously. Um, only 24 years old, three ranking event finals. He's He's got a big future still, hasn't he, Sean? Yeah, definitely. Um, absolutely. And I, and I did say it was either on the last episode or the episode before that. When you lose in a tournament to the person who goes on to win it, uh, it, it often makes your your defeat that little bit easier to take. And of course, Zhao didn't win, as we know. But you know, he beat me in the last thirty-two, and I think the way he went on then to to win a couple of really good matches and then progress to the final, um, and certainly through the first session of the final, you know, gave as good as he got to Mark. Um, it eased my pain a little bit, you know, from from my defeat to him because you know I, I didn't play badly at all again. You know, I found myself three nil, you know, down to him. Uh, and hadn't made many mistakes at all. Like you know, I certainly played a lot better and better, you know a lot worse than that and won before. Um, so yeah, I think it was great, great to see him again. Um, you can't not mention that you know one of the other finals he'd been in, he lost to Robertson nine nil, and from leading Mark Allen four one, he lost eight frames on the spin. So that's, you know, 17 frames on the bounce almost he's lost there, you know, obviously with the sort of one of the other frames. But I, I, I just, that would, and it's not certainly not danger signs yet for somebody, but that, 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 that would be there for me as a marker or something that needs addressing. You know, there's, there's something in there. You know, you can't afford to lose six, seven, eight, nine frames, you know, in a row in any match. You know, no one loses that many frames in a match on, consecutively and lives to tell the tale. You have to find a way. As a snooker player, you have to find a way of turning the tide. You have to stop the flow there. I'm not sure how you do it. I don't know what the answers are, but it but it is something you need to you need to address. The other element being, you know, and again, I don't want to come over too critical at all, but I've made the mistakes myself. You know, you get out there on a big final, a big event, a big night like that where you're centre stage. You start whipping the crowd up and you get involved. Then you can't perform. Uh, and there's no question that the Zhao Yulong who was there for the first six, seven days of the tournament and a half wasn't there for the final session of the final. So yeah. I'm not sure what the answer to that is. I'm not sure, but I'm not sure if I told this story before, but I'll tell it again, if I, you know, just in case. I think in 2012, um, I got to the semis of the uh, German Masters out there in Berlin. And my old friend and manager has sadly passed away now. Brandon was the promoter of that event. He was stood backstage with me as we made our entry into the arena through the crowd at the Temple Drome. You know, everyone's seen it on Eurosport. It's fabulous arena, fabulous pictures. The crowd were going mental. And it's a venue that I'd worked a lot in before in the exhibition circuit and stuff. And Brandon and I were stood backstage. Stephen had, uh, Stephen had been introduced into the arena first. And Brandon turned around to me and said, now listen, he said, you've got to milk the crowd now. Use the crowd to your advantage. You know the crowd here. They know you well. They love you here. You know, you've got a lot of crowd support here in Germany. Um, this is a venue that you know well, blah, but, you know, get the crowd on your side, he said. Let the music build. Rolf Karb will introduce you. Walk in there. Give it the bigger and, and the like, you know, bury him sort of thing. So, you know, we, we let the, the, the introduction, please welcome Sean, uh, let the crowd build up. The, 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 the music comes on, left it that extra beat longer, walked into the crowd, waved at everyone, got everyone really hyped up. You know, I didn't moonwalk to my seat, but, you know, I may as well have done <laughs> And when it got to the table, I could not put a ball. Yep. And I lost 6-0. And it was a real case of learning. A very hard lesson to take of, 
yes, we are an entertainment sport first. It's great to know. I didn't see it, but it's great to know that someone like Zhao Yulong was there, you know, trying to get the crowd going, you know, really whip them up into a frenzy. But you've then got to be able to switch it on and pop the balls. Yeah, you have. I do I do wonder, you know, it's um about support networks. I know you, you mentioned it with I think it was Mink the other week that you know, she's she's got good people in a corner. And and Joe did seem to be there on his own. A, c- a couple of other people have mentioned this. He he did seem to be there alone. And whether that makes a difference, I don't know. You know, he, he was leading in the afternoon session. He he went in level after the afternoon session, which must have felt like a loss. It must have felt like a win for Mark and a, a loss for Joe. But he did seem to be on his own. Maybe if he had someone there with him to sort of take him to one side and say, look, it's for all. You know, you're not losing. It's for all. It's, it's all to play for. It's now a best of whatever. And... I, I don't know. I you know I'm I'm not a professional snooker player. I, I don't know, but Mark's there. He's got people around him. He's he's got he's got his fiance. He's got his mum and dad there. He's got his manager there. You know they're they're looking after him as he's going through and and helping him out. Whereas Joe just seems to be there on his own. And for me, that's got to make a difference. And whether that needs looking at, I don't know. But listen, it was a great. It's tournament. a funny one because you know you know you're absolutely right. You need a support network there. But you know sometimes. You know, who do you, who do you have as your support network? You, you know, how, how do you know that that support you're getting and the words that those people who care so much, how do you know they know what they're talking about? Absolutely. And so sometimes, sometimes you know, having nobody there with you actually would be better than having the wrong people there with you. But if you can, you know, obviously if you can mix the two and have, have that network around you, it's obviously very lonely travelling on your own. But just having somebody who can whisper those things into you at the right time and obviously be the right things to say, that's that's the secret mix. And, you know, that's that's very hard to find. But we can't, we can't let the Northern Ireland Open pass <laughs> without talking about the controversy that took over, uh, uh, I think it was on, was it match third? I'm not sure if it was. I'm not sure because it happened. It happened whilst I was playing. We're obviously talking about the Jimmy White versus referee Ben Williams incident. <laughs> and this happened whilst I was playing. You can't say Jimmy White versus Ben Williams. Do, do you know? We know them both. Okay, we we know them both. And and I actually flew back with Ben on Monday on the same flight. And um, so you've got the inside track. <laughs> what did he say? Right. Well, well, this hasn't actually come from Ben. Um, but but Jimmy called him a dinlo, which I, I know mean? this this What's has that? been this has been reported widely. I think uh, Dave Hendon on the Snook Scene podcast was like, "Oh, I don't know whether to say it or not. I don't know if it's offensive." It's a, well, according to Jimmy, it's a London term. As far as I'm concerned, it's a, it's a Southwest term. It's dinlo. I've got friends in in Bristol who refer to someone as a dinlo. A dinlo is um, a less than intelligent person. Let's just say, okay. So oh, what I've happened? Just, I've just googled it for anyone that hasn't seen it. What happened was, Jimmy White's 3-0 down in his match. Um, he was, he potted a red. Um, he nominated the brown, which was the, the ball right in front of the white. It made sense. Um, ben Williams, the referee behind him, said blue ball. And Jimmy turned and said no, brown ball. And, and Ben laughed. Now, Jimmy then turned around and said, well, what are you laughing for? And he he put his hand up in like a, a bit of a dismissive gesture and apparently called him a dinlo. And I think Ben took the hand going up as a, a finger I don't know and gave him a warning. And it, it it's caused all kinds of controversy. And, you know, it, it's a bit of a, a storm in a teacup, really. It's a, it's a bit of a not thing. You know, they, they, he did just put his hand up. Um, ben, knowing Ben... Ben Ben laughs. He laughs a lot. He's a happy guy, and he and he laughs a lot. Whether he's a bit of a nervous laugh, I don't know, but he laughs a lot. So if I would expect Ben to laugh at that, to be honest, he's made a mistake. He laughs at it, and and I'd expect that. I think if Jimmy was three 0 up, not three 0 down, he'd probably have laughed as well, and nothing would have happened. But it it did, and and what happened happened, and I don't know. It was a bit of a something out of nothing, really. What do you think? Yeah, well, as as I say, it happened whilst I was playing. You know, I was actually sat in my chair um, as it happened, so I, I I I watched it unfold. I couldn't hear what they were saying, uh, but it was funny because I I did the, the bits I did hear. I did think, oh, oh, this 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 could go wrong. This because I'd heard Jimmy nominate Brown, 
Ben said blue, as you said. Uh, and then I, I couldn't really... I didn't hear that Jimmy had said, uh, what was so funny or, you know, what are you like? I, I didn't hear that exchange. I saw it, but I couldn't hear what they were saying. But I, 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 I could, you could feel the mood change. Um, of course, in football, this is happening every week, isn't it? You know, players are swarming the refs, and you know, it show, I suppose it shows how the culture of how different the culture of snooker is. Is that you know, uh, player A has a has an interaction with the referee, and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> you know, takes over the takes over the the airwaves for a twenty four hour period, and it's like the biggest story the game's ever seen. Of course, it's not. Um, I don't think anyone came out of it well. I don't think either party, you know, uh, was massively at fault, but but neither came out covered in glory either. No. The, the, the truth of the matter is, is that we're so blessed with the with the officials and tournament staff that we have on the tour. You know, it's not an easy job out there. And the only time you ever notice the referees is when they make an error. You know, the Absolutely. referees very rarely get praise. They only get criticised when they make a mistake. And that, that was probably the only mistake Ben made in the entire week. Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're very, very fortunate in snooker. We, we've we're got... very, very fortunate. As a player, I'm making mistakes every frame. We've seen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I, it's very, very... It, I, I, thought it was a bit, I thought it was a little bit harsh um, from Jimmy to sort of humiliate Ben in the way he did. I, I, I thought that was a bit unsavoury. That left a bit, but you know, as the, Jimmy's been in the spotlight for 40 or 50 years, you know, he, he knows how this industry works. I thought that was a little bit unsavoury, perhaps just to stand there and, and be, you know, he knows how this industry works. And I, I thought that was a, just a tiny little bit uh, unnecessary, but you know, but at the end of the day, Ben, Ben shouldn't have made the mistake he did, but sure it was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, snooker players, not the referees, snooker players are making mistakes all day. Absolutely. So we, we, we need to see it from both sides, you know? We all make them. It's funny, I um, I, I arrived um, and started on the mic from the quarterfinals onwards, and Ben was referee, I think, was it won the quarters or won the semis? I think it was on the quarterfinals, and he was coming out, and it was like a day or two after that had all happened, and I was sort of consciously aware, what you, what you maybe don't see on TV, unless you're watching the Eurosport player, I do welcome the referees out into the arena before we then go live on, on Eurosport, so I'll, I'll welcome them Hang out. On. Hang on, do any of the referees have nicknames? No. Okay, food for thought, food for thought. <laughs> Perhaps not. So, so I'm welcoming the referees out now. People, I know people, some people on Eurosport player can see this because they sort of live feed it. But I'm welcoming them out, and I was welcoming Ben out, and I, I was consciously aware that actually, with everything that's gone on the media, the the crowd could have a bit of a go here. So when he came out, I welcomed him. I think I, was, I said something like, um, "The the the finest referee from Bolton." Which maybe doesn't say a lot, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Williams. And he came out, shook my hand, gave me a big smile. And stood behind me, and I thought, right, before anyone in the crowd says it, I turned around to him and I said, what are you laughing for? And he looked at me and just started laughing, and all the crowd started laughing, and it, it, it stopped it then. It stopped anyone else doing it. It was done. It was, it, it's over with. Everyone's had a bit of a laugh. Brilliant. Ben's had a laugh. And it was like, right, get out of my shot now, because I'm about to go on telly. And it was it was done with, and and that was that. And do you know what? Ah, they're both great guys. They're both great guys. Talking of mistakes, though, in the industry, um, have you have you ever have, what have you ever dropped a clanger like you know? Have you ever just forgotten your lines or got a name? You know, and I think you said a few episodes ago you did something with Mark Allen, introduced him as somebody or something like that. I'm, have you ever? Oh, it was a listener question. Somebody asked us what yeah. the biggest you know, the clanger was. Um, before and before you answer this, have you ever seen the footage? And I'm sorry to single it out in such a nasty way. Obviously, this is our podcast. This is Dennis coming up, isn't it? What? No, 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 no. I mean, that was that was horrendous. But, you know, <laughs> this is even better. I think I think this was one of the very first iterations of the World Seniors Snooker. I think it was, and Mark Johnston Allen, former pro, was was the MC for the day. And he stood there, and I think it was in the, uh, the 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 it was in the it was where we used to play the shootout in the in, in Blackpool Tower. Oh, okay, 
it was a fun, it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal venue. Like, you know, um, and he stood there introducing the players out and he looks straight down the barrel, straight down the camera. And he looks there and he goes, please welcome ladies and gentlemen into the arena. And he just loses his words and he looks, and now he's obviously speaking to the director and he just holds the mic and he goes, I've gone. I've completely gone. <laughs> oh, I've <And>, seen this. <laughs> and the camera flicks to the player at the top of the stairs and the player just walks in. <laughs> Have you ever done anything no, like that? Touch wood, no. I've got the odd title wrong and, and, you know, everyone's made the odd mistake, but nothing, touch wood, nothing as bad as that. Okay, so... I just, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I must look where, at what time of year it is and put it in my diary because every year... <laughs> It rolls around on my Facebook memories and pops up, and I just get to watch it, and tears stream down my face as yeah, well, I watch let's... it. Poor Mark. I mean, Mark. Mark is known for two things. Well, three things. He beat. I think he beat Stephen Hendry nine nil. That's right. Yeah. Years yeah. ago. The I'm gone thing, with, <laughs> when he was working for Sky Sports. And on my very first visit to the Crucible. As a nine-year-old boy in 1992, he was playing on the other table that we weren't there to watch against Tony Knowles in a black-and-white checkered suit. Wow. So one side of his waistcoat was black, the other chest, the other lapel was white, and the trousers were the opposite way around. Specialist, that. that that's, that's really Great specialist. Man. Wow, goodness me. So there you go. No, I haven't, thankfully. Anyway, moving on. Um, so yeah, well done, Mark Allen. Great event in, in Northern Ireland. Well done to everyone from World Snooker Tour involved for, for organising it. Fantastic. The crowd over there, amazing. Brilliant. Right, next week, we've got qualifiers this week. Next week is the Champion of Champions. The draw is out. If you want to see it, Champion of Champions um, or Champ of Champs, I think it is all over social media. The draw is out there. I mentioned a few podcasts ago about the polo shirts. Last year, they had the polo shirts. It was very last minute. Emily Fraser from Matching Multisport, who who promote the event, she admitted it was very last minute. They just wanted to do something different. They did it. They were different. They weren't great, but you know, I actually quite liked. I them. remember that. I remember that day for two reasons. I was I was in re- a lot of pain during that event. I played with yes, a really bad were. neck and shoulder. I could hardly. But I lost to Jan Binta. I could hardly bend over. But I remember the, the shirts that we got and I'd really started piling the weight mm. on around that time of the year, this time last year. My weight was going like, I got on the scales one morning and they said, please, one at a time. <laughs> you know, it was, it was horrific. <laughs> the only thing that fit me that day in Champion of Champions was my shoes. Nightmare. Nightmare. Absolute nightmare. But this year, anyway, apparently, I think it was Dave Hendon actually I saw on Twitter has said, this year's polo shirts been made by Puma Golf. Um, they're going to be really good quality, okay? So keep an eye out for that. We Like I said, the, the draw is out there. It's all over social media. Check it out on there. It starts on Monday from Bolton, I think, from the uh, University of Bolton Stadium. I think it's there or white. Um, but, yeah, just check that out. I think it's going to look different. I think it will look good. It will look good. Whatever happens, it will look good. Well, I will say this. I'm obviously not in the Champion of Champions this year because I've not won anything in the last calendar year. But I do know and want to give a shout-out to the team at Matchroom Sport, particularly Emily Fraser, and just say that they are—they do work so hard behind the scenes with things. And I might have my own announcement with Emily to come oh. in the not-too-distant future. I can't say any more. But there could be something coming that people might be interested in. Could it start with a P and end in ool? Must be time for our break, is it? I think it's time for our break. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the 147 Podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's the words, at 147pod. Right then, it's rant time, Mr. Murphy. I hope you are prepared and ready. Last week's rant, actually, a few people, everyone agreed with you on social media once again. What's going on? Everyone agreeing with you. What is that all about? It's not something I'm used to. I've got to be honest. I mean, I, you know, I have said the odd controversial thing over my <laughs> snooker career, but yeah, the last few, the last few, um, the last few rants have gathered a lot of support. I've got to say, I know I've not started yet, and I might be counting my chickens. But if they've agreed with me on the previous, they're definitely going to agree with me this week. Well, we'll be the judge of that, won't we? It starts when I say rant. It ends on the klaxon. Are you ready, Sean? I'm ready. Three, two, one, rant. Well, as you said, Phil, the last few episodes, people have agreed with me strongly because I'm hitting a chord. You know, I'm striking a chord that people think, yeah, I've experienced that. I've experienced that nightmare traveller. I've experienced that smoked salmon that I get out of the packet and I can't get it out. Now my fingers stink. Well, I've got the best one for you so far. These people I'm about to pick on are quite possibly some of the worst people on the planet. They are, of course, doctors, receptionists. Oh. Hello, I'd like to book an appointment, please. Yes, no problem. What's the problem? Uh, no, no, I'd just like to book an appointment. Yes, no problem. What, what's wrong with you? No, I'd just <laughs> like to book an appointment, please. When can I see the doctor? Oh, yeah, but what is it? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Did you do the seven-year training to be a doctor? No. Oh, no, well, I'd just like an appointment then, please. You can see the picture I'm painting. Who are these people? I'm not Margaret. I'm not going to tell you what's wrong with my big toe. Why are they always called Margaret as well? I'm not going to do it. No, you're not a doctor. You're not a trained medical professional. I'll probably see you in the co-op down the road. I don't want you to know the ins and outs of what's wrong with me. Absolutely not. I'll tell the doctor, you didn't do the seven or eight years training it takes to become that GP. Absolutely not. Just get your receptionist, get the appointment book out, tell me when the appointments are, and book me in. Thank you very much. I've known a couple of these receptionists quite well over the years. They take their information back and over fish and chips. They don't mind sharing. The- <laughs> You can ri- you can ring your klaxon all you want. I've not finished. <laughs> Horrendous doctors, receptionists, go away. Do you know what? If you can even get through that far nowadays, I reckon you're doing pretty well. To be fair, my doctor, you try and ring them up, but you just never get through to anyone. But you're right. You are absolutely right. It's, it's like, like they a, think they're in triage. It's like, they're I was just going to say, go away. it's triage, isn't it? They're sort of filtering things out. Oh, let's see what's wrong with you. Well, actually, my leg's fallen off. Yeah, but has it fallen off badly? Whereabouts yeah, but, is it? What? Yeah, but yeah, but have you tried? Have you tried? Have you tried? Go away, Margaret. You Put just me in. and you know if you tell Margaret what's wrong, two minutes later she's on the phone to Joan, telling her, "Oh, I've just had Sean Murphy on. Ooh. Oh, he's Ooh, got you know a, that snooker player. He's got a oh. boil. <laughs> oh, you know it's Honestly, happening. There won't be the only people who will disagree with this rant. Do you know who they are? Doctors, receptionists. Doctors, receptionists. They absolutely are, right. Well, what you do you reckon? Subscribe, unfollow, go away. <laughs> Doctors, receptionists, nightmare or not, tell us on social media at 147pod. That's all words, at 147pod. What do you think, Doctors, receptionists? Are I, you one? Can I are you one? Can you stick up for yourself? NHS, I don't want to offend anyone. Except for doctors' receptionists. Anyway, receptionists, you can go away. That was the rant. Right, let's move on then. Listeners' questions time. We start with the snooker goths. 
we love the snooker goss. Anyone that d- doesn't know, if you watch snooker, you know who the snooker goss are. They're generally front and centre, on the front row, in the crowd, with different coloured hair, let's say. Two young ladies, they're brilliant, they're fantastic. They're, they love their snooker at every tournament, qualifiers and the lot. They're great. They have asked, should the shootout be moved for the la- to the last event before Christmas to make it like a massive Christmas party? Also... What were your favourite bands in your youth and now? So first of all, then, Sean, shootout. Should it be a huge Christmas party? I, I mean, you, you know, I, I, think I, would, I think before it was given ranking status, I think I definitely would have said yes. I think back in the days when it was at Blackpool and Watford pre, pre-ranking points, as I say, I, I think that was when the tournament was at its absolute peak. Um, I loved it when it was at Blackpool. That was sort of, I feel like that was... January time, late January, something like that, and, it, and even then it had that festive feel about it. Yep. Um, I, listen, there, there's obviously contractual reasons why that that can't happen. TV slots, broadcasters, they are the absolute bosses. You know, we 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 as a sport, you know, always remember, you know, not to bite the hand that feeds us. You know, without our broadcasters, without our sponsors, we don't have anything. Uh, uh, and so they are the paymasters at the end of the day. If we could take that away from it for a second, if we could pretend uh, that we that we were in control, then of course, you, you know, it would be fabulous to have that uh, party atmosphere. Yeah. Um, I think the shootout did lose something when it when it became a ranking event. A little bit like I think the players all felt that the Paul Hunter Classic lost something when that got ranking status. Although it was fabulous that an event carrying Paul's name. Was 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 now seen as you know big enough to carry ranking yep. points. It lost a little bit of something, and I, and I think the shootout the same. The shootout, you know, we all know is a is a unique event, and I think by 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 making it count, uh, it, it lost something that made it sort of special. Um, but yeah. As snooker players, we just go where we're told to go. I'll be slightly less political. Yes, it should. Yeah, last last weekend before Christmas. <laughs> what a Christmas party that would be. That would be mint. Put it in an arena. We talked last week about Hong Kong, okay? If you put the shootout in an arena for four days, the last weekend before Christmas, everyone goes there as a Christmas work, works, Christmas parties, whatever. Make it a massive Christmas event. That would be absolutely brilliant. It'd be a great event for those people to go to as their Christmas parties. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Last event before Christmas, make it an arena, make it massive. Everyone can make noise and people won't watch the snooker. They'll just sit there having fun. But why not make it massive? Anyway, so favourite bands in your youth and now? Go on. Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah, go on. Okay, well, in my youth, I was a bit of a. An, an can you e- remember? You can you remember that far back? It's a long time ago now, but I was a bit of an. E- I was actually in a band, Sean. I, I sang in an indie band, believe it or not. Um, of course you did. Of course you did. I did, and yeah, I was sort of an Indian grunge. So I was Nirvana and Jane's Addiction and bands like that when I was a kid. Uh, Faith No More bands like this. Nowadays, I, do you know my musical tastes are eclectic? So I not the word i'd use my two sons are named after musicians uh ben is named after ben folds who's a, a pianist and a songwriter who's fantastic elliot's named after elliot smith again a, an amazing songwriter um but not I, elliot's lesser not elliot's lesser strangely enough um but i, I like all kinds of music there's a an irish band called picture this who i'm very much into at the moment their music's fantastic um from i think they're dublin actually where, where you live and they're brilliant, but yeah, I like all kinds of music. What about you, Sean? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm wary of digging you out over this now because you're claiming to be an actual singer from like years gone by. But some of the music you put on your Insta stories are just like great, brilliant, I, fantastic. Well, I mean, I've just never heard of them. Yeah, you know, I've just never heard That's of them because you have no taste. That's why. Right. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so bands. Uh, I mean. Oh, I'm gonna just hit. I'll just hit you with Oasis. Oh, like you were an Oasis fan, behave yourself. Um, what do, I mean, pardon? <laughs> Goodness me! Um, hashtag sweeping statement. Um, <laughs> no, massive Oasis fan. Um, and now I've probably gone a bit more. I would struggle now to to. I would struggle now to pick my favourite between Fleetwood Mac 
and Queen. Oh wow! Uh, you know, I'd, I'd struggle uh, if you took a car journey with me for a couple of hours. Um, that you know, th- those albums would be on pretty much the whole way. In fact, my uh, PA and I, uh, Robert, we had a great time driving up to Belfast last week from Dublin. It's a good two hours. And we were just playing, um, you know, our own carpool karaoke on the way up, song Christ. after song. It was just knocking him out of the park. Now, he claimed he won that game, but he so didn't. Well, either way, I'm just really, really glad there were no cameras in there. That's that's all I can say. So, there you go. There you are. I know the Sukakos, their favourite band, I believe, is the Manic Street Preachers, who I once had dinner with. Strangely enough, there's an odd fact for you. Anyway, moving on, Sean. Moving on, we've got Tom, Tom Godbold from Facebook. He says, if Sean got a massive offer to join the Live Tour, would you? Yes, you would. That's the correct answer to this, isn't it? Yes. Correct answer, yeah. For those of you that obviously <laughs> you know, have been under a rock, uh, the Live Tour has come up in the last few months as a, as a, as a, as a rival tour, I suppose, to the DP World uh, and uh, PGA Tour of Golf. Um and, uh, you know, it's been making headlines that, that, that some of the big, big marquee players from all of the tours have been paid fortunes to go and join that tour. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, you'd have to, wouldn't you? I, you? You know, you would have to. You would. Yeah, you'd, yeah you'd, you'd have to. You'd go to the live tour. Absolutely you would. Okay. Ian McEwen, Ian, I hope I've pronounced your name correctly on Facebook. Uh, where in the world should a tournament be held? And lots of people getting two questions in. It's very cheeky. cheeky. And... Should the shootout be moved back to Blackpool or where else has enough of a party atmosphere to host it properly, right? The shootout, if you're moving it to before Christmas, it's an arena. If if you go in the last weekend before Christmas, that is an arena because it's Christmas parties, okay? That that is how that works. Personally, I've done I've I did the, the World of Sport Wrestling in the Tower Ballroom in Blackpool. Amazing venue. You've played Snooker there. Yes, it would be great in Blackpool. I think the shootout works anywhere, really, to be honest. Maybe I don't know, Leicester seemed a bit flat last year, but I don't know. Um, yeah, it'd be great to be back in the, t- the Tower Ballroom in Blackpool, I think. Um, where in the world should a tournament be held? I'd like to see him everywhere in the world, if I'm honest. Canada or America? I'm going to shout there. Okay. What do you think? Um, I, I, I would say definitely uh, the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, uh, of course. And um, did a piece last week whilst I was in Belfast. Actually, it was on uh, rte.ie. Ended up being there as a bit of a sport. Uh, the journalist was there and he asked me a few questions. It ended up into like a full-blown interview about you know snooker in Ireland. And um, it's such a shame that there isn't a there isn't a professional event here. You know, in the Republic, um, the, the 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 love for snooker here is is um, you know I, I I didn't know it existed till I moved here five years ago. But I'm blown away every day almost, you know, by how popular the game is. And, 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 and the people that follow it here are like proper followers. Of yeah, it. yeah, they're, big not, they're not just fly-by-nights. They're, they're, they really know their stuff. And um, it really warrants a, a, a full-scale pro event over here. You know, we just, we just, you know, you need to get your ducks in a row and dot your I's and cross your T's before you can do it. The, the, the desire is here. Um, and of course, we we had the the old B and H Irish Masters at Goffs, which was you know just one of the best events on the tour. I missed it by a couple of seasons, unfortunately. But um, yeah, there's no doubt about it in my mind. The country that deserves an event the most, yeah, is the Republic of Ireland. Agreed, and that may happen. Okay, that that may happen. That that definitely isn't ruled out. That may happen at some point. Um, what I would say is, if you listen to the Snook Scene podcast with Dave Hendon. He talks on this week's podcast about what it takes to put on a ranking event and just how difficult it actually is for that to happen. It, it's not an easy thing. There's a lot of things that have to happen for it to happen. Um, and it's it's not as easy as, oh, we should just have one at Goffs. It, it doesn't work like that. So, um, yeah, have a listen to Snook Scene podcast, actually. Dave Hendon really breaks that down really well and does a great job of it. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah Southern Ireland, absolutely they should. I think they you know, having been in Northern Ireland last week, you could probably say there's an argument for another one there because that one's got so big now that it, it maybe justifies it. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. We can't move from Belfast, otherwise Mark couldn't win a match. No, that one's got to stay exactly where it is. That that venue is too good to not be used again. Sorry, uh, Billy Bobbins. Billy Sorry. Bobbins. Let, let's Keep use his correct Allen. title, Who is please. Mark Allen? No, he's not, is he? 
Right. Colin Healy from Instagram says, long question, which I've shortened. Very few snooker players have university degrees, but if you were going to study for a degree, what would it be in? Well, Colin, uh, what I would say is that instead of the phrase very few snooker players, we might use the phrase no snooker players. I don't know any tour players that have degrees. No, I can't think of any, actually. Do you? No, not off the top of my head. I'm sure there will be. There will be some. There's got to be some, hasn't there? I mean, I don't, I, well, I, I don't know. No, I don't think there has to be, no. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> professional snooker players. <laughs> uh, it's actually quite a serious point, this, because, it, you know, any of these careers, you know, be it a um, PhD or a degree or, you know, any career, any career like that just requires so much effort and sacrifice that you can't do one, two, three other things at the same time. Yeah, you, you just can't do it and make it. Do you know what though? I met at the Sports Stars Fishing this year. I met uh, Johnny Fisher, the the heavyweight, the the heavyweight boxer, and he's a great prospect. I mean, he's knocking people out for fun at the moment. He's on his way up, which you kind of expect a heavyweight to do. But he looks good. He's he's, he's massive. He's a big, big guy, heavyweight boxer. And, and you, when you think of heavyweight boxers, you don't generally think of of brains and intellect. Okay, but. Johnny Fisher, he, he graduated last year. He's got a degree in engineering, I think University of Exeter. And always all student mates, they all buy tickets now and they come and see watching box. Now, he's a heavyweight boxer with a degree in engineering. What's to stop snooker players getting one? Yeah, I just think time, to be honest. I think most, most snooker players are just so dedicated to practicing and they spend so much time doing it. Of course, like we said at the top of the show, you know, yourself and I are examples of, you know, we're working people who with families and commitments as well. You know, where would you fit in the time to give one of these things? I remember a very funny yeah, situation yeah. years ago, years and years ago, you know, there's a few people will know, you know, my wife is a professor, she's a PhD in chemistry and she's a professor here in Dublin. And... We were at Nottingham University, the University of Nottingham, uh, where she was based for a period of time. And I jokingly said that, oh, I'm, you know, I'd love to have a degree. Uh, and um, I might study for a degree in psychology or law or something. You know, it can't be. And I, I nearly said it can't be that difficult. Has she finished laughing yet? Is that of interest? <laughs> laughing? Well, she was, she was actually quite offended, but she was actually quite offended by it. Oh, wow. Because... I hadn't meant to, but I'd sort of by accident belittled the effort and the and the commitment and time that goes into these things. Mm. A bit like somebody who has no concept of what my life's been like from being eight, nine, ten years yep. of age. It's taken everything. It's taken everything. Took my childhood away being a being a, a sports person. Took it took took everything away. You know, it caused problems with the family. It caused problems with my friend. You know, it caused problems everywhere. My schoolings. I I left school at thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't do both. I didn't have the time for both. I had to pick one over the other. So, you know, going back to the question, very few snooker players, I would I would clarify that and say, to my knowledge, I don't know of any snooker players, any professional snooker players that have university degrees. Um, but to answer, if I was going to do one, uh, it would probably be in law. How weird. Because I was going to say exactly the same thing. I would probably do law as well. Over. Well, we, we can argue a bit, and I think that's probably what, what being a lawyer is all about. So, yeah, there you go. We'd, we'd both do law. That's What a strange um, strange thing. There you go. Okay, right. I am going to limit us to one more question, and I'm going to pick which one it is, okay? Um, Niall from the Monday Morning Football Chat podcast on Twitter. Now, Niall's a great guy. He's messaged us quite a few times. Um, he runs his podcast, the Monday Morning Football Chat podcast, Give it a listen. Niall from the Monday Morning Football Chat podcast on Twitter. He has asked, if there was to be a shake-up in the world rankings, would the players be up for it or do the majority like it the way it is? Well, it, 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 it's, an, it's an amazingly pertinent question because I hope I'm not betraying too many confidences here by saying <laughs> this, but right now... Right now, there there is a panel. There is a panel that's been set up, which comprises of you know a lot of tour players, and some 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 members of the WPBSA Players Board, looking at the potential of you know how does a points based ranking system like we used to have, but in a different guise, how would that stack up against a prize money ranking system which we currently have? 
Wow. That's, and that's, that's happening right now because prize money ranking systems are brilliant until the prize money dries up. Yep. And of course, we've just we've all been through a pandemic that's stretching into its third year. Uh, and we've lost as a tour, we've lost, you know, the Chinese events and the Asian events make up at least a third of our tour slash prize money. And we're starting to feel it now. Uh, the players are starting to feel it in their pockets, in their spend, in their expense. You know, they're starting to feel it. They're starting to notice it. And the argument has started to come that if we were on a points-based ranking system, those events could easily be replaced. Right, okay. Um, the prize money is obviously important, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's what puts, you know, it's it, it's what obviously we're playing for. Of course it is. There's no getting around that. But a points-based ranking system would be much more manageable when things go wrong. Whilst we're all, you know, whilst it's sunny and everything's rosy in the garden, a, a prize money-based ranking system looks great. Yep. But when those tournaments vanish, as they have, and there, there's no hint of them coming back yet. I know we just had the Hong Kong Masters, but you know there is there are no Chinese events on the calendar yet. Um, Points-based ranking system is starting to look favourable. Wow, there you go. So Niall from the Monday Morning Football Chat podcast, you may have had a bit of an exclusive there. That I didn't know that. That that's news to me. So uh, Sean might have just dropped a bit of a bombshell there. So. We shall see. Right. I hope are... it wasn't a. I hope it wasn't a secret panel. Well, let's hope it wasn't. <laughs> if it was, it's not anymore. Right. Good. Those people that have sent us questions that we've not had chance to ask, I apologise. They will roll on. We will get them onto a future podcast. I absolutely promise. Right. We only have time now for our pointless question, Sean. Now. Hopefully, because you moaned last time that it was too pointless, hopefully you'd be happy with this one. The pointless question this week is, if you were only allowed to watch one film in the next 12 months, what film would you choose? I just need to clarify something before I give my answer. (laughs) Go on. If you were to pick a film that's part of a trilogy, let's say... You only get one film. Okay, Goodfellas, then. Oh, do you know what? I've not even thought about Goodfellas. What a great film. What a great film. I would have said, if you'd have allowed me the trilogy, I would have said The Godfather. Oh, I thought you were going to say Star Wars, because that's just a trilogy, isn't it? That's just three films. You'd have said, what, The Godfather? We've done this before. We've done Star Wars before, Sean. We disagree on it. We know that. Okay. You'd have said Godfather. Okay. Goodness. Yeah, no, I'd have taken The Godfather if you'd allowed me trilogies. Okay. As you're not. It's good fellas. Good fellas. Yeah, great. What's your film. pick? Great film. Well, mine starts with good as well. Strangely enough. But mine is Goodwill Hunting. Um brilliant film. Goodwill Hunting. Weak. What? Weak. Like are a lot you, of your music choices. Are you weak. absolutely serious? Goodwill Hunting is an amazing film. Does it be the good does it be good fellas? Oh, it's yes. It does oh, it me. Do you know what? And Goodfellas has the same line as Jimmy White gave it this week. <laughs> Funny how. Well, he didn't say Dinlow. Dinlow is he's an insulting Goodfellas as well. Funny how. <laughs> Funny how. Goodwill Hunting, amazing film. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, soundtrack by Elliot Smith, who my, we, my son is named Jimmy after. Can White's nickname to Joe Pesci? I, I think we should. Is it too? Is it too late? I don't know. I think it probably is. Anyway. Jimmy the whirlwind, Joe Pesci White. What would your film be? Sean's gone for Goodfellas. I've gone for Goodwill Hunting. If you were only allowed to watch one film in the next 12 months, what film would you choose? Let us know at 147pod all over social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at the words 147pod. What film would you choose? What are you up to in the next couple of weeks, Sean? Yeah, next few weeks for me are all about preparing for the UK Championships. You know, I'm not in Champion of Champions. Um, didn't win a didn't win a tournament, so I'm not in it. Um, so I've just it's all about York for me. I can't wait to get to one of my favourite venues destinations on the tour. Not the best city in the world though, but one <laughs> of the best ones we look forward to all season. The UK Championships. That's next for me, and I can't wait. It is, of course, the best city in the world. It absolutely is. 
I will be at Doncaster Dome this Friday night for a boxing show for GBM Boxing um, and busy, busy with work for me. So, Sean, do you know what? I will see you in York. I'll I'm say get that. into your wallet. It's time you got the round in, Phil. My, my wallet? You're joking. You won't get there for cobwebs, mate. You've no you, chance. You even carry a checkbook. <laughs> Sean, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. That was the 147 podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you enjoyed what you've just listened to, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's all words at 147pod. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 